Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast. Today I'm highlighting the amazing world of radio at amazing.greatdetectives.net. This is a podcast series with a lot of different programs and special series. We have holiday specials, but we've also done things like the summer of Humphrey Bogart, the summer of Angela Lansbury, and Top Secret which were chosen by my listeners, as well as tributes to recently departed actors like Dean Stockwell and Larry Storch, and spring miniseries that I've done, including The Whistler, The Lost Episodes, and old-time radio plays about Alexander Hamilton. We have a new spring series that's going to be starting on February 22nd, but you can get caught up on all of our radio goodness over at amazing.greatdetectives.net and you can find all the different podcasts we do linked right at the top of greatdetectives.net. And now we're going to get into Michael Piper, Private Detective. And this was an interesting series that presented a mystery for me to solve. It aired for four brief months between October 1941 and February 1942 over the Blue Network and was sponsored by Canada Dry. And here was the mystery that I was presented. The series featured some memorable voices, including John Gibson as Doc, but who was the star of this series? No one seemed to know. Indeed, John Dunning, in his Encyclopedia of Old Time Radio, listed the star's identity as unknown. I dug into it further. I found that the series began as Michael and Kitty, and using that, I I was able to search newspapers.com and found that Michael and Kitty was announced as starring Santos Ortega. Ortega was a mainstay of the New York radio acting community. He played a lot of supporting roles in the programs we've played and he's also had a couple starring roles. He was one of two actors to play Nero Wolf in the World War II Nero Wolf series. And he also starred in Roger Kilgore, Public Defender, a series we played back in 2020. So with that mystery solved, we're going to bring you the last episode of Michael Piper, Private Detective. The original air date, February 6, 1942, and the title is The Erie Basin Murder. This is Michael Piper, private detective. The case we bring you tonight is called the Erie Basin Murder. As you know, Canada Dry and their many well-known boppers have spurred in making these weekly radio visits possible. Well, now, let's see. The whole thing began one afternoon when Kitty and Doc and I were down in Battery Park eating the pigeons. Kitty noticed the sign on the door of the harbor master's office announcing a public auction of unclaimed effects of sailors. Kitty said she'd like to drop in for a few minutes. 
So we went in, leaving Doc parked outside in the cab. Apparently, the auction had been underway for quite some time. Fifty cents. Do I hear seventy-five? Do I hear seventy-five? Seventy-five. All right, I got seventy-five cents bid on this pair of fur-lined gloves. Who'll say a dollar? Dollar. Are you done? Are you through? Are you all supplied? Sold for a dollar. Step to the cashier's window, sir. Don't go away, folks. The auction will continue in just a moment. <laughs> oh, Michael, this is amazing. Just look at some of these faces. Yes, kid. If I were casting an adventure picture, I'd certainly stop right here. Oh, good heavens. Atlanta. I see something over there that I absolutely refuse to believe. What? A two-headed man? <laughs> no, it's even more amazing than that. Look where I'm pointing. A sailor with a parrot on his shoulder. Holy Pete, so it is. Let's well, snack out of Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. If that parrot says pieces of eight, I'll know I'm dreaming. <laughs> oh. Well, it wasn't pieces of eight. Just a plain parrot squawk. Unless it's pieces of eight in Portuguese. <laughs> Could be a fair. Sailor looks Portuguese. All right, men. Next we have this little box wrapped in oil skin contents unknown. Now, as far as we know, this box can contain anything from a ham sandwich to the crown jewels of Hindustan. Who'll start? One dollar. Two dollar. Two fifty. Say, that's wonderful. Three men ready to take a chance. I heard two fifty. Who'll say three? Three. Three dollar fifty. Four bucks. Well, well, well. Michael, our Portuguese sailor's sitting on the box. Seems he has some competition from that Swede and the fellow with the star on the face. I've got four. Who'll say five? I told him to wait here till we came out.
Well, you listeners, that visit to the auction certainly attracted more of our attention than we thought it would. But there's a sound that demands attention. And not just demanding attention, Mike, but really getting it. Because that sound is the fizzing and bubbling of sparkling spur. The delicious new Canada Dry Drink. A thirst quencher that tingles with real quality. America's favorite flavor at America's favorite price. Once you've tasted spur, you'll drink it often. Just ask your dealer for the man-sized nickel bottle with the big white shield and four red letters, S-P-U-R. For just five cents, you get two full glasses of quality refreshment. Enjoy America's favorite flavor at its very best. Drink spur. Back now to our story, The Erie Basin Murder. As I told you a moment ago, the Portuguese sailor paid for the mysterious box and started for the door. On the way out, he was attacked by the angry Swede who outbid him. But the parrot flew into the Swede's face, causing the Swede to drop the knife. The Portuguese picked it up, stabbed the Swede in the shoulder, and escaped with the parrot and the package. The wounded Swede was arrested and taken to Belmore Hospital, where he was placed in a small room with bars on the windows. A few hours later, Kitty and Inspector Sheila and I went to Belmore to question the Swede. Shield took charge of the questioning. Now, look, mister, this is serious. You'd better talk. What's your name? Gus Nielsen. Now, you get to get out of this hospital quick and see your fella. Who have you got to see, that Portuguese? Hey, the Portuguese. That dirty crook. I get to catch that fella quick and kill him good. Hey, hey, maybe you don't realize it, Nielsen, but I'm a member of the police department, and you're threatening to commit murder. I don't care. I get better, I find that Portuguese, and I kill him good. Well, we'll take that up in a couple of days when you do get better. Come on, Mike, let's get out of here. Okay. Go ahead, Kit. Thank you. And don't forget, Nielsen, there's no use trying to get out of here. There's bars on your window, and there's a cop right here in the hall, and he's got a gun with bullets in it. Someday when I get out of here, I find that Portuguese fellow, and I kill him good. Oh, Holy mackerel, Mike. Right in front of a police inspector, he says he's going to kill a guy. He must mean it. <laughs> What's this world coming to anyway? Oh, Michael, let's go home. Just to see what it's like to be in our own apartment before midnight. Right, kid. Sheila, if you find that Portuguese or the man with the scar on his face, give us a ring. Okay, I got an alarm out for both of them. I'll see you later. <laughs> Well, Kitty, it's obvious that the three bidders for that box knew what it contained. I'll never draw a contented breath, Michael, till I know. Good Lord. We were going to bed, and we've been sitting here gabbing for three solid hours. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the mysterious Doc Felix. Now we'll find out what happened to him this afternoon. Hi, folks. Hello, prodigal. Doc, we thought you'd been stolen by the gypsies. <laughs> okay, Doc, talk fast. How come you deserted us this afternoon? I told you to stick around. We needed you. Now, keep your girdle on, Mike. I done what I done by sheer instinct. Oh, yes? What did you do? Well, Mike, I read all about it in the late papers. The Swede, the guy with a scar on his face, and the stabbing and everything. So what? So what? I know where that Portuguese is, Mike. You... What are you talking about? See, I knew you'd change your tune. Doc, before I strangle you, will you please... Okay, okay. 
I'm sitting in a cab outside the auction place, see? After a while, a foreign guy with a parrot in one hand and a little box in the other comes running out hell-bent. I realize that something's up, see? And with amazing detective instinct, I swing open the door of the cab and the Portuguese hops in and hollers, Get going! So I get going. Where did you take him? Over to Brooklyn. What part of Brooklyn? The Erie Basin, down there past Red Hook. Doc, could you find that place again? Certainly I could. He went on board an old sand barge named the Ida. Doc, I take back all I've been thinking. You're suddenly a wonder man. What do you mean, suddenly? Okay, you've always been a wonder man. <laughs> Tonight, we're going places. To the Erie Basin? Kitty, darling, however did you get? Come on. <laughs> Ida, that barge right down at the end of the wash. Keep your voice down, Doc. Got the light handy? Yep. Right here. Gun? Yeah. Got yours? Yeah. Michael, there isn't even a glimmer of light aboard that barge. No, but we'd better look anyway. Well, if that Portuguese is down there... What's that? Hey, 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 oh. Get off! Get off! Guy running this way. Flash your light on. Okay. Then where you are. Hey, who is it? Detective. It's the man with the scar on his face. What do you want? Stand still. We both have guns. Say, you're going to have some new scars on that face of yours. How did you get so cut up? Yeah, there was a parrot on that part. It flew at me and clawed me all up. Oh, that's awful. You get the box? Huh? What box? The one you were bidding on this afternoon. I don't know what you mean. Where's the Portuguese? Uh, who? Never mind. Fetch him, Doc. Okay. Uh, you, get away from me. You're... Shut up. Keep them paws in the air. No box, Mike. No? Here's something, no. Wow. Hey, that's a wicked-looking knife. Let's see. Uh, no blood on it. Certainly there ain't no blood on it. Doc, suppose you keep Scarface right here. Kitty and I are going aboard the barge. Okay, Mike. Watch out for that parrot. We will. Here, kid, you can hold the knife. Oh, dear. Must I? Get behind me now. Can't tell what we're going to find here. I'm more afraid of that parrot than anything else. Anybody down in this cabin? I'm coming in and I have a gun. If you stay outside for a minute, I'm going to switch on my light and wings. All right. Be careful, Mike. Here I come. If there's anyone in here, stand where you are and don't move. Is there anybody here? <laughs> oh, you don't, Polly. In the closet with you. Are you all right? Yep. Parrot's in the closet wrapped in my hat. Doesn't seem to be anybody here. Good Lord, Kitty. What is it? Find something? Yes, Kit. Don't look, please. The Portuguese. His head's been bashed in. Oh. Get me a piece of paper. All right. Here's a newspaper. Will that do? Uh, yes, please. Uh, just a small piece. Thanks. What are you doing? I see some traces of a reddish-brown dust in the head wound. Might be an important clue. I want to collect some of this dust and have it analyzed. Well, do you think the mysterious box is here on the barge? I doubt it. The Scarface would have taken it with him. Oh, Michael, this is an awful place. Can't we get out of here? We certainly can, my dear. I want to telephone Inspector Shield and make him a present of one body, one clue, and one suspect. Well, Inspector, has Scarface cracked yet? No, Mike, not a peep. I've been grilling him for two solid hours, ever since we brought him here to headquarters. Looks to me like so far that parrot's the only one that squawked. 
<laughs> well, Fred Allen, are you done? Uh, yes, sir. Oh, Inspector Shield, we've had that red dust analyzed. Oh, yeah, and common ordinary brick dust. Uh-huh. Just what I thought. Our friend Scarface killed the Portuguese with a brick and then heaved it overboard. I'm going to take one more shot at Scarface. Come on in. Go ahead, kid. Thanks. Hey, look, Inspector. Why don't you put me in a cell? Don't keep me sitting here all night. I'll keep you sitting here just as long as I feel like, see? Mr. Piper, help me, will you? Why don't you help us, Scarface? I don't know nothing. I'm afraid Inspector Shield has a powerful circumstantial case of murder against you. Murder? No, I didn't kill that Portuguese. Now, look, my friend. At the auction, you bid on the box and got sore when you didn't get it. Over at the wharf, we caught you running from the scene of the murder. The parrot scratches on your face prove that you were in the dead man's cabin. But I didn't kill him, I tell you. So help me, I didn't. Oh, you didn't, man. How much longer do you want to sit here? I want to go now. Let me go. Take me anywhere. Scarface. What? What happened to that box? I don't know. Wasn't it on the barge when you went aboard? No. I couldn't find it. Then you were searching for it. Aha, uh-huh, now we're getting something. Yeah, yeah, I went there to get the gun there. I found the Portuguese dead, and the box was gone. Yeah, uh, looks. If you tell us what was in that box, I'll lay off you for a while. Honest? Honest. Okay, then. I'll tell you. Uh, that box was full of uncut diamonds. Diamonds? Wow. Where'd those diamonds come from? Uh, Rotter, Dan. Me and that Swede and the Portuguese and one other sailor was in Rotterdam when the Nazis bombed it. And you took advantage of the bombing to loot a diamond merchant, eh? Yeah. Uh, we drew lots to see who would keep the diamonds and smuggle them into the United States. Uh, this other fellow, this fort guy, he was elected. But during the raid, he was hurt. We all made the ship, all right, but a couple of days out, the fort guy died. Was he buried at sea? Yeah. When we got to New York, they found a guy had no relatives. So all of his stuff was sold at that auction. On the way over, me and the Swede and the Portuguese had a fight. So you all went separately to the auction to bid against each other, eh? Yeah. But I lost most of my pay in the crap game, and all I had left was ten bucks. So I didn't get the box of diamonds, and that's all there is to it. So help that you went down to the Erie Basin tonight and killed the Portuguese with a brick. No, I didn't kill the Portuguese, I tell you. I didn't kill him. There's you. Charlie, take this guy down to a cell. Yes, sir. Come on, buddy. I didn't kill him, Inspector. I tell you, I didn't kill him. Well, Mike, I guess that's that, huh? Inspector Shield, your case looks fairly watertight. Scarface certainly needs to go soon to get out of that. Inspector, I felicitate you. Yeah, what for, son? You get what you've always been calling an open and shut case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah after all these weeks of making mistakes. Yeah. What now, Richard? Oh, I'll put the needle away. Gladly. Shield, I think it'd be a good idea if you and I went up to Belmore Hospital. Me, too. I want to drop Doc off at the psychopathic ward. Now, wait a minute. Hold it, hold sure. it, Doc. Hold it, Doc. Pull your chest in. This is a small room. Ah, uh, that guy. I'd like Sure to... you would. Inspector, I want to go up to Belmore and look in on that Swede, Nielsen. Well, what for, Mike? We got all we want to know. We know it was in the box and who killed the Portuguese. The Swede can't tell us a thing. He was in a hospital bed when the murder took place. Sure, I know. However, to button up everything nicely, just humor my little women. Come up to Belmore, eh? I... Oh, okay, Mike. But holy Moses, I'm losing my beauty sleep. <laughs> You're losing your what? Uh, oh, come on! Well, 
Murphy. How's the sweet? There ain't been a sound out of him, Inspector, ever since you people left the hospital. I kept me eye glued to the door of his room, sir. He must be sleeping like a baby. Good. Let's go in and wake him up. Hey, Nielsen, wake up. Huh? Wake up, Nielsen. Switch on the light, Doc. Out here, Mike. Uh, who, who is it? Inspector Sheila, Mr. Piper. Huh? Oh, what do you fell that spot? Goodness, it seems a shame to wake him out of his sleep as deep as that. Tell him the news, Inspector. Ooh. I want to have a look around the room. Nielsen, your friend the Portuguese was murdered tonight. What? The Portuguese murdered? Hey, what happened to the little box? Disappeared. Hey, Mike, what the deuce are you looking for? Nothing special. Oh, this is terrible. Here I am in hospital while some dirty crook gets away with the little box. Inspector, did you find Seller with big scar on his face? I'll say we did. We caught him over at the Erie Basin. What was he doing there? He was playing a short engagement with a parrot. A parrot? The Portuguese parrot. Oh, that scar-faced fellow is a dirty double-cursing crook. He stole that little box Yeah, now. and he killed the Portuguese to get it. Uh, we know what was in the box. Yeah? Well, that little box belongs to me. You hear what I say? That little box is mine. I got to get it. I got to get it. America's favorite flavors. That's how we describe the tingling goodness of Spur. But it's the people who trust and then continue to drink it who say Spur, America's favorite flavor, at its very best. A swell refresher like this is bound to make new friends every day. You see, Spur is a Canada dry drink, and real quality always tells its own story. Try Spur yourself. Justin Nickel buys one of those large, good-looking bottles with a big white shield and four red letters, S-P-U-R. And in that bottle, there's enough sparkling refreshment to fill two brimming glasses. Yes, two full glasses of tempting spur are yours for just five cents. And when you buy a handy home carton of six large bottles, you have 12 full glasses of tingling spur for only a quarter. Get a carton tomorrow morning first thing and keep several bottles chilled and ready to enjoy every day. S-P-U-R, Spur. It's America's favorite flavor at its very best. Back now to Michael Piper, Private Detective. It is just a few seconds later in Gus Nielsen's room at the Belmore Hospital. The Swede is still raging against Scarface for having stolen the box of uncut diamonds. That dirty thief Scarface, he takes little box and hide it somewhere. When they get out of hospital, they catch him and make him tell. Believe me, that little box belongs to me. Look, Nielsen, that's a very nice routine, but it won't wash. I... What are you talking about, Mike? You can't blame this fellow for being sore. Somebody swiped his box of diamonds. You said it. And when I catch that dirty lord... All right, we take a bow. The little act is over. Inspector, would you like to see those diamonds? Oh, you bet your sweet life I would. Okay. (laughs) Suppose you look under Nielsen's mattress. No. No. Here. I look under this side. Doc, you take the other. Sure thing. Don't. You get away now. Don't you touch my bed. I must be here somewhere. Let me... Oh. Here it is. Michael, 
it is the box. Certainly is, Kit. Well, now, how the heck do you explain that? Inspector, I've been framed. Some dirt. Want me to shove that pillow down your throat? No, apparently he doesn't. Well, Inspector, there's your murderer. All tucked away in a hospital bed. No, no, Second, I... Doc. Wait, pleasure. Say, ah, uh, Mr. Newfield. No, I... But... There we are. Proceed, gentlemen. Mike, are you trying to tell me that this guy walked out of this hospital, went to the war, killed the Portuguese, and came back and got into bed? I certainly am. And I suppose he hypnotized the cop outside there in the hall. No, he didn't go out that way. Oh, I see. He went on a diet and squeezed through those bars there on the window. Well, he didn't go on a diet. But you were right about his using the window. But, Michael, those bars... Yes, darling, the bars. Would you like to have one of these bars, Inspector? Hey, Ah, strong man. He pulled one of them bars right out. Yes. Here, Shield. Put the sand bar in your memory book. Well, I'll be a... You said it. Now, listen, you... Just a minute. Don't never insult a man with a crowbar in his hand. Careful of that bar, Shield. It's Exhibit A. Portuguese bloodstains on the other end. Holy mackerel. I see it all now. At last. The Swede looks the room over. He finds a loose bar in the window, gets his clothes out of the closet, and goes down the fire escape. Check. And the brick dust was from the bar where it had been broken out of the bricks. Double check. Mike, you're an amazing character. Letterer. Say, uh, how did you ever come to suspect the Swede? Well, I must admit it was a pretty thin reason. When we caught Scarface, he had a knife on him. Clean knife. I get it. If he had killed the guy, he would have used the knife instead of the brick and heaved it overboard. Certainly. Would have been much simpler. So the Swede was the only other suspect. Wild as the idea seems. Mike, when the Swede got the diamonds, why didn't he scram instead of coming back to the hospital? Oh, he was too smart for that, Doc. If he had disappeared, he would have been the prized suspect. He knew that Scarface would make an attempt to get the box and consequently be suspected of the murder. And if the Swede were found right here in bed in the morning, well, the police never would suspect him. Yeah, especially the police. Hey, now that does it. Uh, this guy's gone too uh, far. Uh, look, I, uh, I think you'd better come with me, Doc. Yeah, sure. Good night, Inspector. Good night. Hey, wait a second. Where are you going? We're taking Doc into protective custody. One murder a night is sufficient. Ah. Well, what now, Michael? Who knows, kids? Doc, let's get the taxi and go for a drive. Okay, boss. Got some excitement in mind? No, nothing in particular. Let's keep our eyes and ears open. You can never tell when somebody will need help and call us in. Hey, Kitty? <laughs> I see what you mean, Michael. <laughs> Eerie Basin murder case. And now, ladies and gentlemen, this is where I'd ordinarily tell you something about next week's story. But I'm sorry to say that tonight we've reached the end of the current case file. And for the time being, we're closing the book. Perhaps we'll be back on the air in the near future. I sincerely hope so. And so, on behalf of Canada Dry and the many well-known bottlers of Spar, Lynn Murray, Doc Felix, and myself, this program came to you from New York. This 
is the Blue Network. Welcome back. Well, an entertaining enough mystery with a lot of strange occurrences to keep you guessing, and I think the solution is fair enough. Now, you may have missed it, but Michael Piper was actually married to Kitty. The fact didn't stand out to me on my first listen or when I was thinking about it many years later in anticipation of this episode. I think the husband-wife detective program can have some really fun aspects to it, but you've got to use it correctly and take full advantage of it. I think the Thin Man series and uh, Mr. and Mrs. North, which we'll end up playing later, utilize the wife rather well and made her a really interesting character. I think the same was true to a lesser extent with... uh, the Abbots, and it's a crime, Mr. Collins. But here, Kitty doesn't really stand out much. If you're going to have a detective married, it should actually be relevant. Although, to be fair, the series did reband itself as Michael Piper Detective, and Kitty may have been more involved in stories when the series was Michael and Kitty. Though I will say it was a fun series. You know, John Gibson, always good. Nice to hear him, even if it's not as Ethelbert. Of the three very obscure series we've done in recent weeks, Sarah's Private Caper, Meet Miss Sherlock, and this, I think this was the one I enjoyed the most. And if I could wish for more episodes of any series to appear, I think it would be this one. But sadly, wishing doesn't make radio transcription disc appear. More the pity. We turn to listener comments and feedback, and Nancy emails in, Hi Adam, Happy New Year to you and yours. I was really interested in the Meet Miss Sherlock and Hello Sucker uh, episodes, and that was an app extra for those who listen uh, to our app. Nancy writes, I've been in the Chicago area for many years, and WBEZ is our local public radio station. I listened to Sandra Gear for years at lunchtime with her foreign news discussion program. One interesting tidbit was that it seemed every cab driver in the city listened also and often called about learning English with her and how great it was to hear about home. It really shows what a reach someone can have. Thanks. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks so much. And... It's really remarkable that she was so remembered for this because she started this program seven and a half years before she passed and it was the last of several different careers that she had, many within the radio industry. But it made an impact, and by all accounts, she tried to be fair and honest and left a great legacy. Thanks so much for the email, Nancy. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Mr. Achilles, Patreon supporter since July 2020, currently supporting the show at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Mr. Achilles. 
And that will do it for today. A reminder, if you want to be sure to never miss an episode, I encourage you to follow the podcast using your favorite podcast software, including Apple Podcast, Overcast, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. Next Tuesday, we'll begin bringing you yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This time around, we will be doing the five-part Bob Bailey serials with two parts on Tuesday and the remaining three parts of the story on Friday. But join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... She's apparently been living here in Tokyo for about two years. But last week was the first time any of us had spotted her here. She lives in a very swank apartment. Yeah, that'd be Marta, all Always right. has two or three guys on the string. Likewise. And according to my information, has been throwing plenty of dough around. Sounds like she hasn't changed a bit. Well, lately she's been hanging around the racetrack quite a little. Racetrack? Uh-huh. Hey, that might be a good place for me to bump into her. You know, accidental like. <laughs> Speaking of people who haven't changed a bit. Who, me? Well, you never can tell. I might pick up a long shot out there. Yeah, yeah, you might. But just one thing. What is it, McCloskey? Well, now, you know Marta better than I do, Steve. You know she can be about the most dangerous thing on wheels, so be careful. And just be sure if you do pick up a long shot, it's a horse. Not a slug. Cheerful guy, McClasky. So I mosey out to the racetrack, and it isn't 15 minutes before I spot Marta. She's got an expensive fur draped around her neck, a racing form in one hand, and a wad of bills in the other. And she looks better than ever. I bury my nose in my racing form and start walking towards the... Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Why don't you look? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.